So how's your spiritual training going? Those that are watching online, there were some yells here in the sanctuary today. I hope your spiritual training is going well. First of all, let me say this. Don't get discouraged. If you missed a workout, if you had every intention and, you know, you missed a day or something that happened, I know what, I know what takes place. The enemy comes and encourages you and, and says, well, you've lost it now. You didn't, you didn't meet the goal. And it's only the first week. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't get discouraged. Get back on the saddle and let's grow in godliness together. Just a couple things. As we move into this, we're going to talk about Bible intake and growing in godliness through the living word of Jesus and scripture, the, the word that God gives to us. I want to encourage you, those of you that are in your growth groups, during this series, it's a very practical series about spiritual disciplines, growing in godliness. When you're in your growth groups, one of the things that I believe would be really helpful is that as we talk about Bible intake, as we talk about prayer, as we talk about living in community and stewardship and all of those things, share with one another practical things that have helped you in your life. Oftentimes, we don't learn from one another enough. So I just want to encourage you, those when you gather in your growth groups, and this is why growth groups are so important, one of the reasons, is that we can share with one another the things that God has taught with us. So I would encourage you to do that. Also, I have really enjoyed our spiritual training. If you missed last week at all, um, you may have missed that we, I tapped a friend of mine, Kent Chevalier, who works for Athletes in Action is the Pittsburgh Steelers chaplain, and each Monday through Friday, he has given a Matthew, are you there? All right, so I'm going to keep going and let him figure it out. So um, one of the things that we did is I reached out to my friend Kent Chevalier, who's the chaplain of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Monday through Friday, on our social media outlets, I know they're doing Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, but for those of you, some of you have asked, well, I'm not on social media, that's okay. We created a YouTube channel, so if you go to YouTube, um, you can just write this down, but it's pretty easy to remember. It's ACACPGH for Pittsburgh, ACACPGH. Just Google it on uh, YouTube, or type it in, rather, on YouTube. And those videos come up Monday through Friday. They're just real quick. And uh, Kent does an awesome job just encouraging us every morning to stay disciplined and grow in our faith. Okay, so you know I shared this last week. If not, I'm going to remind you. First Timothy, uh, for, actually 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Look at this is our theme verse for these six weeks. Paul says, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales, but rather... Train yourself to be godly. It is 1 Timothy. Train yourself to be godly. And that's what we're doing. That's what these spiritual disciplines are about. Training comes, training for godliness comes in the form of spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines are practices, they're habits and routines that are found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth in us followers of Jesus. It helps us look and talk and act and think more like Jesus Christ. And remember, I'm always going to remind you of this. What is the goal? The goal is godliness. 
Okay, the goal isn't just that you would spend 30 minutes or 15 minutes or an hour every day in prayer and Bible reading or serving or giving all of those things. That is not the goal. That is a means to an end. And the end game, the goal, is growing in godliness. Again, that we would live lives that reflect that of Jesus Christ. And also remember, this is critical, that you can be spiritually disciplined and not grow in godliness. We talked about the Pharisees. Okay? They were spiritually disciplined people, but they never recognized Jesus when he was right in front of them and in their midst. So you can be spiritually disciplined and not grow in godliness, but you cannot grow in godliness without being spiritually disciplined. And that developing these spiritual disciplines, it's whose responsibility is it? Okay, it's our responsibility. It's your responsibility. No one can show up to the gym for you. No one can open the Bible for you and read God's word. No one can pray for you. No one can be faithful stewards of what God has given to you except for you. But it is the Holy Spirit's work in us when we show up that brings transformation. Which leads me to today. No one spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's living word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. As we look to grow in godliness, and my prayer has continually been every day that all of us would grow to look more like you. And we understand that it's your Holy Spirit work in us that does that. The Holy Spirit's the one who transforms us. But you do that when we read God's word, when we gather together in fellowship of believers, when we pray, when we give, when we serve, when we worship, when we evangelize, all of these spiritual disciplines. So help us. Father, as the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. In your name, amen. I've mentioned this before. I've had the privilege of traveling to Zimbabwe a couple times and have been involved in planning churches there. And one of the privileges and one of the things that I have done and an organization I met when I was in Zimbabwe is called the Bible Society of Zimbabwe. Now, the Bible Society is spread out through different countries all over the world, but the Bible Society in Zimbabwe, their mission is to afford every Zimbabwean the opportunity to access the Word of God, to access the Bible in their preferred language through translation, production, and distribution. It was established in 1804. So I think you get the picture. The Bible Society of Zimbabwe, their goal and mission is to make God's Word available to as many people in the country of Zimbabwe as possible. To date, they have distributed over 3 million Bibles in Zimbabwean's native language. There's one of three, but the most common is called Shona. And they have created a Bible and they distribute Bibles. And again, over 3 million to date, which means that one out of every four Zimbabweans have the Bible, that are alive today, have the Bible in their native tongue. Now, in the 1990s and in the early to mid-2000s, the general secretary, which is kind of like the president, of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe, his name was Gaylord Kambari. And I heard an amazing story this week as he was talking. It was an interview that was done with him years ago about how God's living word changes lives. 
Before I tell you that story, he said that the Bible transforms people's lives. This is Gaylord Kambari. He said, when you read that book, somehow something takes change in you. So it was 1995, and Gaylord was the head of the Bible Society of Zimbabwe. And he traveled to a small village called Marewa. And when he got to Marewa, he ran into a headsman, and the headsman reported to the chief. It was kind of like the number two man in the village. The chief was number one. And so he runs into this headman, and he was distributing Bibles, and he had a Shona Bible. It was a New Testament, actually. And he wanted to give this headsman this New Testament Bible, but the headsman said no. He said, I don't like that book. In fact, his words are, I can't stand the word of God because it pollutes people. And finally, after some conversation between Gaylord and this individual in the village, he said, I'll tell you what, I will take the Bible, but you need to know that I'm only taking it because I'm going to use the pages in the New Testament and I'm going to smoke them. Now, let me explain what, you mean by, what he means by that. Zimbabwe, if they could find paper, they would roll their own cigarettes. And so any paper they could find was very valuable to them because a lot of them smoked. So Gaylord thought about it, and he made this headsman a deal. He said, I tell you what, if you take the New Testament, you can rip the pages out and you can smoke them only if you read the pages one by one first. And so this headsman agreed. So two years pass, and Gaylord left, and two years later, in 1997, he was invited back to this village, and he was invited to speak at this convention. At the end of the convention, a man in a suit that was sitting down towards the front stood up and said, sir, would you mind if I addressed you in the crowd for a moment? And Gaylord didn't recognize the gentleman that was there, but it was the same man that he had given the Bible to two years earlier. And so this man stands up and says, sir, you don't recognize me today because back then I was a drunkard. He said, but if you remember, you tried to give me a Bible and I wouldn't take it. In fact, I said, if you gave it to me, I was going to rip out its pages and smoke it. But I promised you that I would only smoke those pages after I read each page. Well, sir, I would have you know that I smoked Matthew. <laughs> I smoked Mark. I smoked Luke, and I began to smoke John. But, sir, when I got to John 3.16, that said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not die, but have eternal life. A light hit my soul, and I gave my life to Christ. And today I am a Christian because the light has shined on me. The living word of God. Go ahead. The living word of God transforms and changes people's lives. And this is why there is no spiritual discipline more important for us than an intake of God's word. It's in the Bible that God tells us about himself and especially that of Jesus Christ the very incarnation of the Father God. It's in the Bible that God reveals God's law to us and shows us how each and every one of us are all broken. And it's in here that we learn how Jesus died as a sinless, willing substitute for all of us sinners and how we repent and believe in him 
to be made right with God. It's here in God's word, the Bible, that we learn the ways and the will of God. It's here that we discover how he wants us to live and what brings the most joy and satisfaction in life. These eternal truths can be found nowhere else except in God's word. The Old Testament, I'm going to show you some verses quickly here in the Bible. The Old Testament reveals the importance of God's word. The psalmist writes, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and it's a light to my path. Jesus himself, when tempted by Satan, he tells the devil, but Jesus told him, no, for the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone. But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Apostle Paul, a verse that you're probably familiar with, in speaking of the importance of God's word, says all scripture, everybody say all, all. including the genealogies that get really hard to read sometimes. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. The writer of Hebrews even says in speaking of the Bible, for the world word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And last but not least, did you know that when Jesus prayed for the disciples and he included all of us in that prayer, when Jesus was on earth, he prayed for his disciples and he prayed for those who would also become his disciples. You and I, he prayed for us. This was Jesus' prayer. Jesus said, make them holy. He prayed that we would be godly. He prayed that we would grow in godliness. And this is how Jesus says we would do it. He says, Lord, Father, make them holy by what? Our truth, by truth, by your truth, that we would become more godly by your truth, Father. And he says, teach them your word which is truth. Jesus is praying to the Father for us to become godly, and he says, teach them your word because this is the thing that will make them holy. This is the thing that will make them godly. Therefore, if we want to know God, and if we want to grow in godliness, we must know the word of God, and we must know it intimately. And his word is the Bible. It's why it's so important that we assist in helping countries and organizations like the Bible Society of Zimbabwe to get God's word. Not everybody has access to the Bible as we do. In fact, let me share some statistics with you, if you will. There are 7.7 billion people in the world at the end of 2020. As of the end of 2020, there are 7.7 billion people in the world. 1.5 billion of those do not have a full Bible in their native language. There are 52 countries in which the Bible is either illegal, highly restricted, or extremely difficult to obtain. And yet many of us here today, and many that are watching online, have more Bibles in our homes than entire churches have in some impoverished or isolated parts of the world. How many of you know that's true? I could ask how many Bibles each and every one of you have in your home. And my guess is a lot of you would say probably more than half a dozen. Nine in ten Americans have a Bible in their home. Ninety percent of Americans have a Bible in their home. 
But out of that, only 11% of Americans read their Bible every day. Basically, one out of 10 Americans read their Bible every day. More than half read it less than once a month or never at all. Now, you probably caught I said Americans. Well, Alan, that's Americans. But I am sure those statistics among those who are Christian are significantly higher. Well, I am sorry to disappoint you. Out of confessing born-again Christians, people who follow Jesus, only 18%, that's less than two of every 10 people, read their Bible every day. 23%, almost one in four professing born-again Christians say they never read the Word of God. A quarter of the people, basically, that proclaim to be Christian Christ followers never open the book and read the Word of God. Do you realize that we have recorded versions of the Bible now? And because we have recorded versions of the Bible, we know that you can read the amount of time it takes to read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you were to read it nonstop, you could do so in 72 hours. 72 hours. Do you realize that American, the average American watches 72 hours of TV a month? So think about this. If we just stopped watching TV for one month and replaced that time with reading this book, we could read the entire Bible in one month in a shorter amount of time than I'll be done teaching this entire series. 15 minutes a day of Bible reading, you can read the Bible in less than one year. With five minutes of Bible reading in a day, you can read it in less than three years. And also think that for most of church history, for most of church history, and as I've already said, still in many places today, Christians have not had their own personal copies of the Bible. Yet for us, for you and I here and those watching online this weekend, we have incredible easy access to God's word. So we understand it's really not a matter of accessibility it's a matter of what? Laziness. R.C. Sproul, pastor and writer, said pretty well. He said, we fail in our duty to study God's word, not so much because it's difficult to understand. Not so much because it's dull and boring, but because it is work. Our problem is not a lack of intelligence or a lack of passion. Our problem is that we're lazy. Now, my heart is not to have you here today and to beat you up. But it's to convince you and to remind you and for the Holy Spirit to burn in your heart that is, if we desire to grow in godliness, the only way we can grow to look more like Jesus is if we intake the word of God that he has given us. And to know that when we do, it is the power of the living word of God that transforms lives. Just like that man in that village in Zimbabwe. So, here we go. We grow in godliness through the Bible intake. We intake God's word six ways. I'm going to move through them quick. This is a great sermon for you to take notes because I'm going to get pretty practical on some things. So, if you do that, I'd encourage you. Number one. Number one, we grow in godliness through Bible intake. One, by hearing God's word. Everybody say hearing. Hearing God's word. Paul writes in Romans, 
Faith comes, it is by faith. Faith comes from what? Hearing. That is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. Now there are many ways to disciple ourselves to hear God's voice. But the single most important way is hearing it preached is hearing God's word preached as part of a local community, a local congregation, a local fellowship of believers. Let me put it in point. I did not say it was most important that you heard it preached from me. I also did not say, and I understand the importance of good communication. As a pastor, it's our job to grow and, and, and develop the skills and gifts God has given us. But... Growing in godliness and hearing God's word is not as much as the skill of the person preaching as it is the Holy Spirit that hits our heart and spirit when we hear the living word of God. Are you with me? First Timothy, Paul instructs us. You'll remember these words. He says, he tells Timothy, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Paul tells us it's important that we are dedicated and disciplined in coming to hear the teaching and the preaching and the reading of God's word. What you are doing by being here this weekend is part of the spiritual disciplines in growing in God. Now, you probably have heard people, when I say this, they'll say, well, someone says, I don't need to go to church to worship God. How many have ever heard that? I can go to the lake and worship God. I can be out in nature. I could go to the golf course and worship God. Okay, well, we understand that you can worship. Our life is a lifestyle of worship. But I would venture to say that when you go to the lake or you go to the golf course, you are not hearing the word of God. And understand that the continual worship of God cannot be separated from the word of God. Worship and the word of God have to go together. You with me? The continual worship of God cannot be separated from the word of God. So we are to discipline ourselves to go and hear the word of God. First is hearing. Here's the second. Reading God's word. It's not coincidental that when Jesus was here on earth and his public ministry began and, and the, the enemy came, devil came to tempt him. I read the words to you earlier. Jesus says, people do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. On all three temptations, Jesus quoted scripture. Now, the only way Jesus could have quoted, quoted that scripture is if he had hid God's word in his heart, if he had read it. So, for us, we have to read God's word. And real quickly, three simple, or two rather, simple things, but really important when we read God's word. I know for many of you, you're, you're faithful and dedicated and read God's word. But understand that there are some that are watching either online or some here today that they don't know where to begin. And they're just starting out. It's like I said, it's like hitting the gym and having never worked out before. You don't know where to go. Two things. One, just be consistent and schedule a time to read the Bible. If it's five minutes, if it's 15 minutes, I just told you, 15 minutes a day, you can read the Bible in less than three years. 15 minutes a day. Schedule it like you would anything else. Read God's word. Just be consistent and schedule it. And the second is have a Bible plan. This may sound heretical, but if you just open and start at Genesis, how many know when you hit 
Leviticus or Job, it's going to slow down. It's going to be like you're 50 minutes on the treadmill, okay? Now, you need to read Leviticus. You need to read Job. I'm not picking on those books of the Bible, but have a plan. There are some great plans out there. Many of you are familiar with John Soper's Mission 119. It's a, it's a free app or a website that will walk you through, and there's Bible study that's there. There's a great free Bible app called YouVersion. You can Google it. Um, ask one of the pastors or people here in their growth group or on staff. There are some great reading plans, but one, schedule it, and two, have a plan. Study or hear God's, hear God's word and read God's word. Here's the third one. We need to study God's word. Okay, I love this verse in in Acts where it talks about studying God's word. The people of Berea, they're more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, the people of Berea. Here's why. They listened eagerly to Paul's message, to Paul's preaching. They listened eagerly. They searched, however, they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. You catch that? Okay, they had to study scripture. They were holding Paul and Silas accountable for what they were preaching. Let me tell you, you should not take everything I say from this pulpit as God's gospel truth. You with me? Now, I come and I give you the truth and I study. But you should study and hold me accountable to that. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to get 20 emails this week. (laughs) But the point is we need to study God's word. Don't just take somebody else's word for it, what you hear on the internet or some pastor that you see or teaching that you see or some post on the internet. You need to study God's word for yourself. Now, the difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible is that oftentimes studying requires what? It requires additional resources, sometimes commentaries, books, Bible tools. Well, the beauty is in the internet age, they are more accessible and free than they have ever been. So again, in your growth group, ask somebody. Um, Some of those apps that I mentioned have great Bible study tools. Don't let the feeling of inadequacy, you don't have to go to seminary, you don't have to have a religious, you don't have to have a degree to study the Bible. Just do it. Just study the Bible on your own. Many of you, I, I would say, consider journaling. And one of the things I discovered not too long ago, they started printing these. I, I thought I'd mention it to you. I, I love them. Um, this one happens to be an English Standard Version, but they're, they're journals of each book of the Bible. Uh, I, I don't remember which company. You can Google it and find it out. This one happens to be the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I write in my Bible. I, I study into that. But what I love about this is that it has the text, the Bible, on one page, and there's open notes on the other. So I can scribble, write, erase, and it doesn't mess up my Bible, and I love doing that. So as you study God's Word, these are pretty cheap, too. I, some of them are like three, four bucks. This one might be like five Um, They're on Amazon, but um, it's a great tool. But whatever it is, study God's word. Memorizing God's word is for. Okay, we need to hear God's word. We need to read God's word. We need to study God's word, and we need to memorize God's word. We say memorization. it's, It's like the word discipline. Okay, we get a little tense. But the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hide God's word in your heart, which means you have to memorize it. And for many people, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'll be included on this. Sometimes memorization seems impossible. I've asked you to memorize, um, in our theme, it is by faith, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And I know it seems really hard. I want to don't go over time, but I have to tell you this story. 
I was, uh, most of you know my dad was a pastor, and um, there comes, as a pastor's kid, there's all of the perceptions that go with that, and perception is reality. So I remember growing up, I was probably like 12 years old at the time, and, you know, we had Sunday school, and they were doing, memorizing verses, and like for every verse you memorize, you got a point. Did we ever do that here at ACAC, you know what I'm talking about? Well, like any good pastor's kid, I went and found all the shortest Bible verses I could find. And I was racking up points. I mean, Jesus wept. I was like, isn't that in the Bible like four times? It's not. But my parents found out what they were doing. They said, that's it. You're not memorizing the short ones. And they picked Romans 12, 1 and 2, which was really big. And I remember telling my dad, there is no way, dad, I can memorize that. Well, you know what my dad did? Um, We grew up in Newcastle, but we also spent time in the state of Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I grew up a big basketball fan, and I was an Indiana Hoosier fan. And there was this Indiana Hoosier sweatshirt that I wanted. Can you believe that my dad bought that sweatshirt but would not let me wear it until I memorized Romans 12, 1? And not only did he do that, I mean, this is child abuse. He hung it. He hung it on my closet where I had to look at it every day until I memorized it. And like any good child, I said, fine, that doesn't bother me at all. So I don't remember how long it was, but I, I waited as long as I could, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And I'll tell you, to this day, Romans 12, 1, Therefore, I beseech you, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is a reasonable form of worship. Now, my dad's probably going to watch this and laugh. But how many know, at a young age, God, my, my dad put the importance of memorizing Scripture into my heart. So we think it's impossible, but if I was to play some tunes here and to shut the music off, many of you would know its lyrics. If I was to ask you to stand and pledge allegiance to the flag, my guess is 99.9% of you would know it. So it's not a matter of whether or not we can, it's a matter of whether or not we will. We need to memorize God's word. A couple things that helps me in doing that, I I love taking God's word and and putting it on post-it notes. I have on my desk, there are times when I come across scriptures like, man, that's a, it's a great verse that just is really, the Holy Spirit works in my heart, and I, I want to memorize that. So I'll write it on a post-it, and I just leave it on my desk and look at it every day. And hiding God's word in your heart. So memorizing God's word. Two more. One, we need to meditate on God's word. Now, Christians get real freaked out sometimes when we say meditate on God's word. I don't know if I'm allowed to say freaked out. I just did, but um, we get real wacky. When we hear the word meditate, because we think Eastern religion and like all of this stuff, that's not what I'm talking about, okay? We can meditate on God's word. Meditation, it seems like it's become more associated with non-Christian practices, but scripture commands us to fill our minds with God's word. Meditation is simply thinking deeply on spiritual realities revealed in the Bible. Look at this verse again. And now... And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is Paul's words again. Fix your thoughts. Meditate your thoughts on what is true and honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable. Think about things. Meditate about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Leave that there for a minute. Let me put this into practice. Some things that help me. When I say meditate on God's word, read big, think and meditate small. Okay, so in, in the mornings, a lot of times I, when I'm reading God's word, I'll, I'll read a verse like this, and I'll, I'll, I'll rehab my Bible. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You can meditate on, Lord, I need to, would you help me? 
Would you help me focus my thoughts, focus my mind? Sometimes it helps putting it into your own words. It's taking God's word off the page and putting it in your heart, putting it in your mind. Say, Lord, what are you saying through this? What's Paul saying? He's saying, he's saying, Christ follower, focus your thoughts. Direct your thoughts on things that are holy, on right, that are good, things that are that are here. Don't let your mind get filled up with rumors and things on social media and, and things that you see on the news. Are, you get the picture? Read big, but, but meditate small. But we need to fill our thoughts and our minds and fix our thoughts by meditating on God's word. Here's the last one. Ultimately, though, if we are to grow in godliness, you can hear God's word, you can read God's word, you can study God's word, you can memorize God's word, and you can meditate on God's word. All five of those things. But the one thing we must do is apply God's word. You can do all five of those things, but if we never get to the application of what this book says, we failed. We have failed as Christians. James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. We can intake God's word all day long, but it has to get to the point where we finally obey it and we do it. Applying God's word is the step that takes you from a student to a surgeon. And the scalpel is this book. And what happens is, is that when we do all of those things, like study, meditate, memorize, read, and hear God's word, this scalpel begins to hit the patient that God has called us to operate on. And you know who that patient is? You. See, as we intake God's word, we should be more convicted of our own sin, our own failures, our own shortcoming. Our own unrighteousness should be revealed more in us than that of the other people. See, if we become more focused, if we read God's word and we see sin in everybody else and we fail to see it in our own heart, we're reading it wrong. You move from being a student to a surgeon, and this is the scalpel that the Holy Spirit uses to convict us of our own shortcomings so that the Holy Spirit can do that work on us to where we grow in godliness. In taking God's word should cause us to be more critical of our own shortcomings in our own lives, not the lives of others. So hear God's word, read God's word, study God's word, memorize God's word, meditate on God's word, and apply God's word. I want to read you this as I close today. This was written by a Welsh pastor named Joffrey Thomas. It's an encouragement to you. I want you to leave encouraged and not beat up. So this week, as we go into week two of growing in godliness, and we focus on reading God's word, okay, set a time, schedule a time to do it, and have a plan, and listen to these words. This pastor writes, do not expect to master the Bible in a day or a month or a year. Rather, expect often to be puzzled by its contents. It is not at all equally clear. Great men and women of God often feel like absolute novices when they read the word. The apostle Peter said that there were some things hard to understand in the epistles of Paul. 
I'm glad he wrote those words because I have felt that often. So do not expect always to get an emotional charge or a feeling of quiet peace when you read the Bible. By the grace of God, you may expect that to be a frequent experience. But often, you will get no emotional response at all. Let the word break over your heart and mind again and again as the years go by. And imperceptibly, there will come great changes in your attitude and outlook and conduct. You probably will be the last to recognize these. Often you will feel very, very small because increasingly the God of the Bible will become to you wonderfully great. So go on reading it until you can read no longer. And then you will not need the Bible anymore. Because when your eyes close for the last time in death and never again read the word of God in Scripture, you will open them to the word of God in flesh. That same Jesus of the Bible whom you have known for so long, standing before you to take you forever to his eternal home. Father in heaven, we thank you for your living word. Your living word that never contradicts itself. Your living word that transforms lives in ways that we don't even understand like you did with this headsman in a small village in Zimbabwe years ago. So my prayer is that as we continue to be faithful to these disciplines and first and foremost by being dedicated to hearing your word, reading your word, studying your word, memorizing your word, meditating on your word and applying your word, would your Holy Spirit make it come alive in us? I specifically pray for those who have been discouraged in their Bible reading. Maybe those that have tried before and and are discouraged and afraid to pick it up again only for fear of failure. Lord, would you anoint their time, make it come alive in them, help them to be disciplined and faithful. I pray for the longtime saint who has read your word for decade upon decade, maybe four, five, six, seven times through. May you reveal things in your word that they have never seen before. So ultimately, from the child to the oldest, we would look more like you. Let it be so in your name. Everyone said amen. amen. God bless you.